Hello and welcome to night number 26 of 31 Nights of Fright, year four, the Stephen King of horror. My name is Adam and I'll be your host. Originally appearing on CBS back in 1991, Night 26 brings us to a fairly effective little TV horror thriller that's also mixed with drama and provides some surprisingly heartfelt moments. Starring Tim Matheson, this is the 1991 Tom McLaughlin directed Sometimes They Come Back. This one tells the story of Jim Norman, played by Tim Matheson, who returns to his hometown with his family. 27 years ago, Jim witnessed the death of his brother Wayne at the hands of a gang of older greaser thugs. This is something that has obviously affected Jim through the 27 years since his brother's murder. He's now a teacher and starts seeing the ones that killed his brother. Jim is quickly learning that sometimes they come back. The surprising thing for me with this one is that it was on CBS. I didn't know that this was a TV movie. I saw it at a local blockbuster when I was a kid in Reading, Pennsylvania, and saw that it was a new Stephen King movie, so of course I wanted to see it. I remember liking this one. Somehow I haven't seen it many times over the years. I've seen it maybe once or twice since I rented it back in the day. It's also strange that Sometimes They Come Back spawned two sequels. There was Sometimes They Come Back Again and Sometimes They Come Back For More, released in 1996 and 1998. I also managed to read this one in the Stephen King Night Shift book. Just like many in this year's 31 Nights of Frights, it's based on a short story. It's even more strange when you find out how this movie came to be. And it's mostly because Dino De Laurentiis, the producer, did not want his money to go to waste. Why didn't he want his money to go to waste? For one, it's money. For another, this is a story that was originally optioned for the Cat's Eye anthology film. I think it's probably wise that this became its own film because I don't see how it would have really fit in with the stories that were presented in Cat's Eye. This is a completely different story. It doesn't seem like it would fit at all, honestly. But then again, it doesn't seem like it would have two in-name-only sequels, but yet, it does. I personally like this film a lot. It's a film, like I said, it escaped me over the years. I've only seen it a couple times. It wasn't one of my regular views of Stephen King films. But I really like how they went and they blended the sentimentality with some of the more horror moments. There are a lot of moments in this one that actually go more for the drama route as opposed to the horror route. Some of the horror elements presented are very well done, and I think that's probably thanks to the director, Tom McLaughlin. Tom McLaughlin is a veteran horror director. He directed possibly one of the most fun Friday the 13th films with Friday the 13th Part 6, Jason Lives where Friday the 13th Part 6 had a lot of cheese in it, and that's what made it fun, he goes for something different here, much in the way Mick Garris did with his adaptation of Riding the Bullet. One of the things that I really enjoyed about Sometimes They Come Back is the fact that it makes almost a very nice companion to the Tommy Lee Wallace adaptation of It. Both films share that 27 years where evil comes back, we also, in both films, have the idea of childhood trauma affecting the characters here as adults. 
we really get the feeling that Jim has never really moved past his brother Wayne's death. Instead, Jim simply decided to move away, much in the way the Losers Club moved away from Derry in It. However, moving back to your childhood home, it sparked that evil again, and it just so happened to be 27 years later in both stories. The difference is, one was made into a big event because it was a well-known story. The other was just kind of a little TV film, I'm assuming because it was based on a short story. Sometimes They Come Back appears to have shades of Pet Cemetery as well. They're not as present here in the film, but they are more present in the original story. That is one thing that I wanted to mention. I remember the short story it had a bit of an occult vibe to it, such as the return of Jim's brother, Wayne. If I'm remembering correctly, it wasn't exactly Jim's brother. Instead, it was almost like he cast a demon that was in the form of his brother. So a lot of the occult stuff is toned down for the movie. I don't think it harms it in any way. It allows the movie to have a lot more sentimentality throughout, and that's possibly for the best. I think all the occult stuff was toned down because it was a made-for-TV production. Sometimes they come back again, incorporated more of the occult stuff, but I didn't really miss it here. It should be said that the sequels to this film are very cheap-looking. They're direct-to-video productions. The actual look and production of this first entry, Sometimes They Come Back, infinitely looks better than the sequels that were produced. One of the big standout scenes of the movie for me was the flashback scene. I think it was carried out pretty well. I really enjoyed the initial transition from night into Jim's past when we see Jim wake up hearing the cry of a child. It allows us to find out how Jim's brother Wayne died, and I simply just think it was a great way to handle the setup for the future by telling us the past with this flashback. I also really enjoyed the death of Jim's student, Billy. No, I didn't actually enjoy the death here, but I enjoyed the way it showed that Billy was being pursued by this black car that only Billy and Jim could see. It's a definite cool moment when Billy drives by some people on the side of the road and he's yelling for help, but yet nobody can see who his pursuer actually is. All they see is Jim's van. The greaser demons appear to only want to be seen when they want to be seen. We see a little bit later when Jim confronts them in the boys' bathroom that the greaser demons do not cast a reflection. I kind of enjoyed that little self-doubt of whether they were real or fake, even though we know they're real by the end of the movie. Overall, the deaths of the students are somewhat surprising with this being a TV production. With another one of Jim's students, Kate, when she's killed, she's actually tortured and hung. I was surprised to see that they showed the violence on screen. It's only little flashes, but it's still pretty surprising that this is something they included in the movie. A lot of the violence there is simply implied, but with those quick flashes of the violence, I'm surprised they got away with that with the standards and practices of 1991. Especially since the adaptation of It had a very big challenge on its hands with the standards and practices. I think the one kill and the one scene that was probably the showpiece of this movie as far as being effective. And it's kind of ridiculous if you can believe that the greaser demons can cut a body into pieces with a switchblade. 
But let's say that that's believable. We get to see the demons in their true form, and I have to say, it's some pretty awesome special effects. I especially like the one that was simply a laughing, screaming skull that was all goopy looking. And I have to believe that it was a puppet, but it looked great. He almost gave me vibes of Tarman from Return of the Living Dead. It was some seriously cool stuff. As far as the acting goes, I think the acting was really well done. Tim Matheson gives a great performance in this movie. It's hard to believe that this was a made-for-TV film. It's a movie that I had no idea was a made-for-TV film. The only time that I knew it was after I looked up the movie to try to do a little bit of research on it. And in my rewatch, I did notice some of those pesky commercial break moments. Whenever you watch one of these films that was originally made for TV, and you're watching it straight through, those little black segments that they put in, where they're not quite proper fade-outs or scene transitions. Where sometimes they come back may lose some viewers is when the movie kicks into full-on sentimental overload. Me, personally, I didn't mind it. It was good to see Jim actually go and have the proper goodbye with his brother Wayne. I think it was even carried out well because if there is an afterlife, maybe time moves differently. Wayne doesn't understand that Jim is all grown up and that it's been 27 years since his death. He's been in almost a purgatory because he still had unfinished business. I guess this unfinished business would be to come back and help his brother face off with these greaser demons that had unfinished business with Jim of their own. I honestly was perfectly fine with it. It was a nice bittersweet type of ending. It does go into the more sweet than bitter, but it's still sad yet happy in its own way. I did like the fact that the whole scene played out the same yet different as it did in the past. It also sparked a thought about the whole scene in general with how Wayne didn't know Jim. He didn't know who he was. If there is an afterlife of some sort, who's to say that the loved ones that we miss here on Earth What's to say that they're going to be able to know who we are when we actually get there? Do I believe in any of that? No. But either way, it's still an interesting thought. I think it's kind of a shame that Sometimes They Come Back isn't nearly as well known or mentioned much anymore. I think it's definitely worthy of a review, revisit, possible just simple reevaluation of it in general because it is a good movie. The story itself is a good one. It's filled with a great performance from Tim Matheson. Tom McLaughlin's direction here is solid. The movie all around definitely deserves to be seen. So this comes as a recommendation for me if you haven't seen it, and if you have seen it in the past, maybe it's time to reevaluate it. With that being said, I'm going to close out tonight's episode. As a reminder, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Adam underscore analyzes if you need to catch up on past episodes of either 31 Nights of Frights or my weekly podcast, Adam Analyzes. You can do so at adamanalyzes.com. If you don't do the whole social media thing, you can contact me at adamanalyzespodcast at gmail.com. And if you're enjoying my podcast, why not tell a friend about it? Why not tell two friends? Or if you have a free moment, I would greatly appreciate it if you would leave a five-star rating at the podcast listening platform of your choice. It'll allow me to reach new listeners as well as continue to create new content. With that being said, be kind and good night. I will see you back here tomorrow night for night number 27.